All right, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Unfazed, Unedited Podcast, where we provide commentary on complicated topics in an uncomplicated format. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold. I go by she, her, hers pronouns. And again, we greet you on Black History Month. Yes, we still have more stuff to gripe, complain, think, talk about here. Um, But I'm here with my friend, Dr. Lisa Ingerfield. How are you doing? I am doing good, and this time I should ask you about snow because didn't the East Coast get hammered with a massive north e- nor'easter or however it said? Um, oh yeah, this last couple of days. Oh yeah, for sure. It kind of trickled down from Boston, which had already sent out an alert saying, "Hey, stay at home, no school, that type of thing." So the mayor had already announced that, um, and then they uh in baltimore specifically they said okay two hours late so it got progressively better um so i had some big old snowflakes as i was dropping the boys off at school um and then it came out it was blue skies by lunchtime like nothing ever happened so welcome to maryland where you can have at least three seasons in one day so yeah it, it was a interesting day interesting week but you know it's february right i mean february always yep. gets a little finicky mm-hmm. so uh here we are and then even my parents i was getting like plenty of snow coming down i talked to my parents in southern virginia we're great i had to put my shades on to drive to go get my coffee this morning i'm like what so yeah interesting eastern corridor but mm-hmm. anyway mm-hmm. we are still in February, Black History Month, and last episode, y'all know I had my soapbox, and I have yet another soapbox, y'all. Let me just share with you. Um, So as somebody who is an educator in my own right, obviously, I think about what my kids are being taught, and I'm thinking about who's teaching it, how they're teaching it, what constraints they're in. I'm thinking about all that stuff all the time. So the last week of January or so, I asked the boys, Hey boys, have y'all gotten a Black History Month assignment for February? And I'm thinking that would make a lot of sense because they were just out of school for what? Teacher planning days. They're planning something. What are they planning? I don't know. Um, It wasn't a professional development day. It was actually teacher planning. So I'm thinking something should be coming down the pike. They say, no, mom, no, we didn't get anything yet. I checked their little online portal thing, nothing. So now we're into what the second week of February and Trey, my oldest, who's in seventh grade, has a worksheet, an assignment, a homework assignment that's very similar to all the other homework assignments he's had for the last two quarters on Jackie Robinson, right? Now, I know I'm on a soapbox. I'm probably building soapboxes and I am very okay with building these soapboxes, y'all, because my son the very same son did an assignment on jackie robinson when he was in first grade he's been to baltimore to camden yards he's seen the big 42 he's gone to the blacksonian here in dc to go see the actual statue life-size statue of jackie robinson and all he's done and all those things so why is the entire class assigned homework on who jackie robinson you don't have a choice as to who you study. There's so many problems with this, Lisa. I'm going to stop there, but there's so many problems with this. And I think we've touched on this in Mm -hmm. education a number of times, but this is my soapbox. I'm building it, Lisa. I'm building it. 
I think you should continue to build happily because there's just a lot of material, right, that needs washing with that soapbox. But, um, yes. I yeah, I, it's it's amazing to me given the breadth and depth of the Black and African American experience and the number of people um, that have invented or contributed outside of sport. And yet the dial always seems to come back to sport or Dr. Martin Luther King, right? And it's not that Jackie Robinson or MLK don't deserve recognition or acknowledgement. Um, but it's, that's just astounding to me, really, that... And is this in the same school? Is it a different school or same school? So it is a different school. And I would suggest it is, in my opinion, a bit more representative, actually, because in here in Prince George's County, uh, when my sons were going to school here, it is overwhelmingly African-American. And so given that, you know, most folks know if you Google Prince George's County, Maryland, it has been historically the most African-American represented county. And especially when it comes to uh, African-American money and influence, the greatest numbers in the country. And so, okay, cool with that here in Prince George's County, but now my children go to school in a different county that has fewer African-Americans, but is more representative across the board of various backgrounds, races, and ethnicities. And so I'm thinking to myself, hmm, what, what we can talk about? Like, really? y'all and so for me it's just it continues to be frustrating because again as much as jackie robinson influenced our culture in numerous ways i still do not want that stereotypical reinforcement of you can only be influential if you are an african-american athlete we know that is true and we know there's lots of societal issues around that. We had uh, Sean Mark Anderson, Dr. Anderson come on the podcast before to talk about his book that directly addresses how societal issues were addressed by folks like Jackie Robinson, like Muhammad Ali right behind me. I get that. And here's all these other people that we're not talking about. Why are we not talking about black scientists, black mathematicians, black educators, black architects, you know, black farmers, all, all the blackity blackness in the world, why are we not talking about that? But we kind of relegate it to this very small lane. And I know part of it is the frustration of we've we've studied this person before, but the other portion of this kind of connects back to our last episode is that it does feel like it is less intentional, very flippant, very trite. And so, you know, I, I posted on my social media, I said, you know, once again, as Black folks in general do, how Black parents do, we have to say, forget it. We, we'll do it ourselves. Thank you very much. Because again, we can't expect a public educational system to give emphasis to these various areas in the way they should. So I have to now lower my expectations as an educator, as a Black parent, and we, we're going to do it ourselves anyway. But again, to have... And, and I know there's restraints. So I'm not like, you know, kicking a teacher while they're already down. Teachers have extreme restraints. Principals have extreme restraints. And I get that, but I'm still holding K through 12 accountable. 
the same. Yeah, I mean, you can still, I mean, you can be teaching in a low-resourced public school, but that doesn't preclude you from going to a history book, right, um, or Googling and finding yeah. another famous person or if not famous someone that has contributed mightily to our current state of our culture but has perhaps not gotten gotten the recognition that they need right i mean and you know even in sport like i'm just listening to this other podcast about um a group of african-american football players back in the 60s and 70s that um they're called i forget I forget the title of the group, but it's the something 14 and it was related to games that they played at Brigham Young and the treatment that they got in Utah and the fact that the Mormon church didn't admit black ministers. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. And so it's actually a B it's actually a, B a BBC series and it's hosted by the NPR code switch presenter BA Parker. And so it's kind of interesting because she's code switching because she has to explain to the British listeners um, some Americanisms that she's using. But I, I mean, I hadn't heard of this um, this group of football players, which is partly because of my whiteness, but also because I don't pay that close attention to um, sport. Amer American football is a sport, I guess. But what about that group? Like, how cool would that have been, right? Um, so it's absolutely, like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. That group. And um, I actually had uh, my younger son, who's a American football player here. Um, I had him do his research on Fritz Pollard, you know, the the gentleman who was the first African-American football player and coach back in the 20s. Uh, eventually, you know, everybody talks about Deion Sanders. It seems like this was the person to be following before Deion. Like if you thought he was impressive um, and he ended up being a later on a coach um, at Howard University right here in the DMV area. Well, you know, those are interesting stories because it talks about a number of intersections like, you know, how he was, you know, training athletes in the army, particularly. And of course, this is when our military was still segregated, for example. So, you know, uh, being a coach at Hampton University, being a coach at Howard, both historically black colleges and universities, all of that kind of pulls together a number of different things that aren't often talked about. Talking about sport and being the first, talking about history, because you have to think about that against the backdrop of military war, the segregation in education and in the military. There's just a number of things to talk about there. And it just never seems like it ever gets more complex than the what I call the usual black folk, the usual black folks, like you right. just mentioned, you know, yeah. that's what is such yeah. a frustrating piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. It's lazy, isn't it? It's just lazy. Um, and yeah, I mean, I understand the critique that teachers are strapped for time and they don't have a lot of resources, but I also yeah. think, like I said, it doesn't preclude you from going to the interwebs and figuring out someone else beyond Jackie Robinson, right? Or yeah. perhaps yeah. giving students a choice, right? Like here's five black individuals in our history who have achieved great things and you can choose who you want to do. And Jackie Robinson could be one of them maybe, right? Mm -hmm. but, um, exactly, exactly. Yeah.
Yeah. And Lisa, you yeah. and I both know because we have both been in the classroom and we have both for years and we both have been those folks that have that heavy, whether it was teaching load or grading load from the mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. The first thing I thought of as an educator from the educator lens was, yeah, this is quite a easy cop out because guess what? It's a homework assignment. It's on the exact same person. I don't have to think too hard if I'm grading right. this because frankly, the students yeah. can grade each other's papers because they all now know more about one the very same person. Like the first thing I thought about as an educator was that this was the path of least resistance when it comes to the complexity yeah. of teaching, learning, grading, assessing. I'm like, uh -uh, this, this ain't gonna work for me. So my children, right now as we are recording this podcast are watching you're gonna laugh they're watching the black panther play 42 right now <laughs> so for everybody that uh remembers uh rest in peace uh chadwick bozeman uh alumna of the great howard university he played in a number of biopics but one of them was mm -hmm, 42 mm -hmm. um as jackie robinson and so the boys as soon as they saw him pop up on the screen they're like oh my god it's the black panther playing oh, uh, i love yeah, it that, that's i love the it black panther. yeah so hey look yeah. we're we're covering two bases here black panther all right jackie robinson we're good so yeah i i thought it was funny after all the frustration I felt, um, but mm -hmm. they're understanding the significance and um, even the the blue baseball cap that they're understanding the secret behind the blue baseball cap um, and what that signifies uh, because they saw the statue of Jackie sliding into home, but they also saw the baseball cap beside him. Now mm -hmm. they know why that was so important. Um, I can't remember if it was his mother or it was a family member uh, that sewed in a little more padding into the baseball cap because he was being targeted. And so pitchers were literally trying to throw at his head. So he got a padded baseball cap. Now they understand why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't have time to extend this in this phase, but I'm also thinking about what about all the women, right? Hello. What about all the, the women that have contributed? Um, Cause they often get, left out too. I mean, women generally, but then black women in particular, right? So anyway, um, mm -hmm. talking of sports, let's transition to phase two. And it's funny, right? Because I was using the term American football, which is just how I understand it. And then I heard you say it shorter. And I was like, it sounds funny coming from you to say American football, because obviously that's just football here. Um, but nowhere else in the world is it football. Um, and so the Super Bowl happened this past week. Um, and I thought this would be a good thing just to touch on in this phase because there's a there's a lot with the NFL when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, or perhaps a lack thereof, right? And a couple of thoughts that I had um, were that I I thought it was pretty interesting, and I'm not sure if it was coinc coincidental, accidentally, on purpose that beyond say had that really fun Verizon commercial and then also announced the launch of her new album during a Super Bowl where people were all in a frenzy and a tiz because Taylor Swift was going to be there or would she get back from Japan in time so that she could watch the Super Bowl, right? And we know that Beyonce has lost out on several Grammys for album of the year to Taylor Swift. 
Um, and that's a contentious um, problem, right? That she's not being recognized in that way. Um, and so I just thought it was kind of interesting that that she announces her new album at a Super Bowl where Taylor Swift yes. is at and everyone's all like, Taylor, 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 right? And so mm-hmm. I kind of think maybe that wasn't accidentally on purpose, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> no, I love that. I, and you know what? A, a lot of the uh, listeners, I don't even know if I've shared this ever before in any of our podcasts, but um, in undergrad, I was a marketing major in undergrad and literally the only thing that kept me interested in marketing in undergrad was that I wanted to produce Super Bowl commercials. That's literally the only thing. Didn't know anything about American football and nothing about the NFL, none of that stuff. I just wanted to produce commercials. And so I've watched them for years. And so for someone like you and I, Lisa, who are not diehard Beyonce fans, are not diehard Taylor Swift fans, and I'm sitting there, you know, watching the commercial and I'm like, oh, it's it's her. You know, I've, I'd heard some rumblings that she might have a commercial and there it was. And like in the last two seconds, Beyonce says something to the effect of, yeah, I think they're ready for another album. They're They're ready for some new music, something like that. And so... I literally didn't flinch, didn't move, you know, kept on sipping my little drink and having my snacks. And then it dawns on me, did she say new music? And so the business brain in me starts ticking like, hold up, let me go be nosy real quick and see what's going on. Immediately, the strategy starts kicking in. So, you know, the commercial and then um, our Instagram she posted and then um, I'm looking at the comments underneath saying, oh my God, let's run the title. Where's the music? Everybody's looking for the music. What I understand, I don't understand all the streaming platforms, but from what I understand, title monopolizes her music. Um, and so given that the only place you're going to find it is there. And so everybody's running there. Like this frenzy is going on, um, which I find so interesting. So it's like, from what we all see, Taylor and Beyonce are friends, good friends apparently, but yet it always seems like, okay, it's the the vying for the top position on things. So like, you know, Taylor announces her new album at the Grammys as she's receiving one of the Grammys that she got. Switcheroonie, now we're at the, you know, at the Super Bowl and Beyonce is at the Super Bowl because the camera panned over there. And she also announces her, like, it's always this vying back and forth, which I find interesting. And so sometimes I wonder, are they being pitted against each other, which then becomes another problem amongst women? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I do think there's some of that happening in the culture. I mean, I actually didn't know that they were friends, um, but you know, it's so unsurprising to me that two powerful, famous women would be pitted against each other because of this kind of cultural norm that we have come to access, uh, accept of scarcity for women at the quote unquote top, right? And that there's just not room for more than one mm-hmm. or two. And so you have these two megastars. Um, and so it couldn't possibly be that they could be there together you know, friendly, warmly, um, in support of each other, there has to be some um, tension between them. And I guess I just played into that, didn't I, with my whole like Super Bowl commercial at the um, Super Bowl that Taylor Swift was going to be at. But it is probably, it is probably 
driven by a, a culture of scarcity and what does it mean to have more mm -hmm. than one powerful woman you know at the top of the music industry mm -hmm. well and and even the switcheroo with i believe taylor came from the country genre over to pop and now beyonce is going from her usual you know genre now into country which you know she's from houston texas so that kind of makes sense and so even that switcheroo is like are they playing ring around the rosy i mean what's going on here where they're just literally switching lives in lots of ways i think is really interesting um but also you know i think there's so many problems with the nfl overall that this just continues to highlight more and more things even with that backdrop because that's going on. I was really interested in the Walter Payton Award, which I follow every single year. And I thought it was incredible that DeMar Hamlin, who literally he play, plays for the Buffalo Bills, literally came back to life and did not win that award, which I find very interesting, um, or at least come back player of the year. Some that the man made millions overnight due to his unfortunate, you know, health scare and then gives it all away. And you know, all of that is interesting. Um, and then of course, my favorite, let me add another black history soapbox, y'all. Lift Every Voice and Sing was sung at the opening, you know, opening ceremonies, if you will, of the Super Bowl. And, you know, you pan around and you see the disdain of white folks that are like, oh, here we go. And, and I, I just found that so, expected you know nothing about it surprised me yet at the same time i'm like yeah we're gonna keep on singing it even though the nfl is fickle because colin kaepernick is still not on anybody's field like all these things and holding it all together it's just oh nfl oh my word you have so many problems yet i would yeah. never never ever mm. set foot in a paid role to do anything DEI related because it's so deep seated. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah, I really, I struggle with the NFL a lot. I used to be really into it when I first came to the US because it was the American thing to do. Once I once I learned the game, which took quite some time to understand it, um, I was all in and I had Broncos season tickets for a while. Um, but I just got tired of their hypocrisy, right? And the ways in which wealthy white men predominantly as owners exploited um, young black men who may not have even finished college and then the ways in which um, cheerleaders are treated in the NFL, the ways in which domestic violence and sexual assault are not, not infrequent occurrences and then, you know, players are not held accountable for those behaviors. I mean, there's several examples of that over the last 10, 15 years, right? And so I just was like, what, where am I putting my money? Right. Um, so I stopped with the season tickets and I, I haven't been to a game in years and I won't spend that kind of money. I mean, and these Super Bowl tickets were $9,000 being resold. Right. And you were telling me that the boxes are even ridiculous, unaffordable for people who are very wealthy. Like it's just so exploitative. And then yeah, so I just have a lot of problems with it, even though I can appreciate the game, you know? 
Yeah, and and my my next concern with the NFL, which we won't have time to dive deeply into, but maybe we can flag this for another podcast in particular. But one of actually the most profound commercial that I enjoyed as my marketing brain started ticking was the NFL Africa commercial, actually, where I'll I'll drop the link in the show notes and you can take a look at it, Lisa. But it was a commercial where it was a young boy in a village and he had dreams of playing in the NFL. And so I don't know if you saw that one or not or anywhere, but um, they had actual NFL players in uniform running around through this um, marketplace trying to, you know, kind of make his dream come to life, if you will. And uh, he starts to talk to one of the players and the player's like, yeah, of course you can do this. And the, um, the player then says, you know, I'm not real, but you can do this, right? And so it just follows his dream until finally he gets to a practice field where they're actually playing and he can see what he can be. That to me is extremely interesting because it get, once again, it gives me Black Panther vibes, right? It's like, wait a minute. I don't want anyone exploiting any African country, the young people there, and the resources that can possibly be there, depending on where you are on the continent, that gave me, it gave me chills in a couple of different ways because I love putting emphasis on a black boy's dreams and what they want to accomplish. But yet at the same time, I'm like, don't let them colonizers up in there. No, ma'am. No, no, we're no, do not let them. So like my brain is going in two directions as I'm watching this commercial and I'm like, Oh my, who did they consult mm. with to make this commercial? This gives me the, yeah. yeah, it makes me feel weird right now. So anyway, Interesting. all that to say, Lisa, we have uh, much more to tussle with around the NFL broadly. Mm -hmm. And I watch it a lot of the time so I can critique it. Um, yet at the same time, these attributes, I'm, I'm concerned because... Oh, there's so many warts on that frog, yet I also understand how yeah. it has really assisted Black men into at least chipping into certain echelons that they might not have otherwise and creating mm -hmm. gener generational wealth for their families, their children, access, all those things that are positives for my community, but yet at the same time, at what expense for real? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Yes definitely a double-edged sword and you know what you made me think of is I forget what it's called now and I, I know that we're about to transition to phase three but the is it the combine or something where they essentially have all of the young players yes. parade around and a lot of yes and a, at least a couple of black players have commented how it felt like um a slave market or in the ways in which yes. historically yeah and I think we may yes. have talked about that before on our podcast but yeah, I mean, this is not, it's not uncomplicated to like the NFL. It isn't. So, um, absolutely. All right. Well, let's leave that phase there and move to a lighter note for phase three. So, what have you got for us, Shauna? Oh, yes. So, since we were already talking about uh, Super Bowl commercials, there was one that I, I wasn't even paying attention um, to the TV at that time. I was doing something else and I heard, uh, you know, from the Annie musical, It's a Hard Knock Life, start playing, right? And this is the original Hard Knock Life, not Jay-Z's version, y'all, okay? And so Hard Knock Life starts playing. And so I stop what I'm doing and I look at the screen and it was amazing. I'm going to have to drop the link in the show notes for this one as well, because the entire commercial was, again, a 
Dove campaign around keeping girls in the game, knowing that body confidence is horrible, y'all. It's the number one reason why girls drop out of sport, especially during those ages of between 11 and 17. And so given that, especially as someone who has always been affected by body confidence, rethinking the body, all those things, and coming to any form of athleticism much later on in life, to me, I'm like, whoa, this Dove usually does a pretty great job at most campaigns when it comes to inclusivity, because remember they had the the Crown Act campaign before, and now this one, they've, they've had multiple campaigns, but those are the top two that I remember. But once you look at that research showing that, you know, 45% of girls drop out of sport due to specifically body confidence, and then you bring big names in to support keeping girls in sport, my, my brain goes to Kobe, frankly, Lisa, in that if he were still with us, something tells me that he probably would connect with this particular campaign because he has all those daughters and the Gianna, rest her soul, was um, an athlete as well um, as a basketball player. And so they brought in all of these celebrities to support this campaign. Kylie Kelsey, we were just talking about the Kelsey's previously, but Kylie Kelsey in her own right um, was a field hockey player. Um, she is now married to uh, Philadelphia Eagles center, Jason Kelsey, but she was a field hockey player in her own right. Um, and now Dove is doing a great job of bringing her in, Steve Young and his daughter, Serena Williams, and all of these folks. And we know, Lisa, you and I have talked on multiple episodes about the inequity around Serena's body and body image before. And so she just feels like such the good person now with two daughters as well to talk about these issues. And so this is a really yeah. cool campaign yeah. and I can't wait to kind of dive into some of those resources. Lisa, I know that, um, you know, safe sport has its own curriculum, but something in me says that this type of stuff should rise to that level as well, given these numbers, but it looks like an incredible campaign. Yeah, I mean, Dove has always been pretty reliable when it comes to pointing out the discrepancies between young boys and young girls, um, cisgender young boys and young girls when they're growing, right? I mean, they had a campaign a few years back related to science, and there was this young girl um, who who was really into planets, and then, like, she they kind of showed her growing, and then she like put the planets in the trash or something and you saw her like looking in the mirror putting on lipstick. Um, I worry about that a little bit for my nieces um, who are um, kind of early teen, mid-teens and one of them runs and is actually getting more into running now, which makes me very happy. But I do worry about the pressures that young teen girls experience related to staying in sport and as their body changes and what's cool to do and what's not cool to do, right? And so... I appreciate that Dove is having this commercial and that they paid um, $7 million, right? Was it $7 million for 30 seconds? <laughs> that they were willing to yes. put that kind of money behind something like this because those statistics are, are pretty awful. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know what's going to move the needle. This commercial isn't obviously going to move it alone right all of the other things that you mentioned will help and the resources but what are the conversations that are happening in 
people's families, right, with young girls who are interested in sport and then they start to disengage. Like what's happening there at that crucial moment between the young girl and their caregiver, right, in terms of keeping them in sport? Um, I mean, obviously, Shawnee, you have two boys, so it's a little hard for you to say, but maybe you know, maybe you have friends who have um, young girls, right? And so how can how can we influence that, even if we don't have young girls in our lives ourselves, right? Yeah, well, I I do remember, now let's, let's not age Shauna here at all, but I'm just giving you my experience being a girl that was not in sport at the time. Um, it wasn't encouraged, you know, in fact, it was protected. You know, I, I remember, you know, wanting to play lots of sports, wanting to, uh, they were pulling together a rugby team. There were a lot of different things that were being pulled together at the time that I was discouraged from participating in. And it had nothing to do with body confidence. It had to do with gender roles. And so, you know, I obviously that's one big piece of the puzzle. So I wasn't encouraged in that way to do those types of things. I was more encouraged in academics and I was very encouraged in the fine arts and music because my mother was a piano instructor. And so, you know, all those things, you know, learning how to play multiple instruments, those are all things that I did all the way through college. And so, you know, given that, that just was not a priority. And I think part of it was this let's let's bubble wrap girls so they don't get hurt because they're more fragile than fill in the blank right and so you know to me i think that's an interesting concept um and then at the same time you know i think what's now interesting that wasn't the case then was there's of course not enough but more money being put into girls and women's sports now than ever so that's another piece of the puzzle and what about those that are coming up as coaches that are supportive right that are the ones that are saying you can do this maybe people like right. me who didn't get that experience until much later and now you're saying absolutely you can do it um, i'm thinking about a couple of friends of mine right now that are doing lots of great work with their tri clubs and uh endurance sport for young people where they're saying look I discovered this sport. I started doing this sport. I wasn't encouraged to do this sport until I was a full-blown adult with kids, bills, and responsibilities. Now you're a kid. We want to focus on, especially when it comes to health, fitness, a lot of the um, the major health issues that come along, especially depending on your race, all of that can be combated with youth sports. And so now there are other reasons um, as to support it in ways that it was not the case when I was young. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot to it. I'm always a big fan of those that want to coach young girls and women because I think it brings a completely different dynamic to it. Um, but yeah, I wish there was a campaign, a campaign mm -hmm. like this when I was younger yeah. with the visuals of those people because nobody said go run. Nobody said do any of that stuff. We were completely discouraged from a lot of that other than what you mentioned mm. cheerleading which was not a sport now we all know right it is but i'm just saying it was yeah. not a sport when i was you know when i was younger and in uh k through 12 so all of those social um mm. walls and barriers to sport yeah, they still exist, but I think the walls are much lower than they were when I was younger. <laughs> They're still there, but not as yeah. high. Yeah, 
they're not as high and but the body confidence piece right like you could have no wall right but if you are not feeling confident in your body and you're not receiving positive reinforcement and you are right right you know like your doctor or your parent or your friend is making fun of your body or not i mean kids make fun of each other and so do some parents make fun of their kids but even and not doesn't have to be as explicit as that right it could just be like well maybe you shouldn't have that muffin right or you know it could be things like that that are pretty subtle but they send a very strong message i think that it, there's like a little bit of a symbiotic relationship between access gender roles and body image or body confidence right like i don't think they're operating independently of each other because the lack of access is because girls shouldn't play sport because they're fragile right and girls need to look pretty and be quiet and um, and not sweat know, yeah and not sweat right and so then no girls want to play sports and so there's no access right and so it all connects um and the whole body confidence piece is also reinforced by girls are weaker than boys which isn't universally true right um yeah say yeah. hi hello <laughs> hey this, this is the unedited part y'all my my uh football my american football player my lacrosse player my swimmer and all the things Mm -hmm. he, he's not going to be one of those people like you mentioned Lisa that's going to be discouraged from this because it's all masculinized you know sweat etc all those things it's all masculinized so Kendrick yeah. and Trey are not going to have the same issues that a young girl right. will have their exact same yeah. age even with bullying even with mm -hmm. all those things that wrap around them at school it's just not going to happen right right absolutely so I mean, this is not a new issue, right? So we're thankful that Dove just continues to elevate it. But I think there's also work that we can do in our communities, in our families to provide those opportunities and those positive reinforcements about body size, body image, body feelings, and sport engagement, right? And what does it yeah. mean? You're going to get sweaty and you're going to get dirty if you're playing a sport. And that's okay, right? <laughs> that's okay. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not discouraging that. And, you know, thinking about all the other skills that one gets as a result of it. I mean, you know, even as an adult in sport, once I went into everything, running, triathlon, mm -hmm. et cetera, as an adult, it still changed my body confidence for the better and my confidence in other areas of life for the better. So, and that's as a full grown right. adult. So I'm just imagining yeah. how exponentially that would have been more or better as a young person had I been able to start earlier. So I think what Dove is doing is fantastic. And I haven't gotten a chance, Lisa, to look through the resources, but I'm excited to look through those because it seems as if they're trying to equip the coaches in such a way that they can wrap around young people and be so, more supportive. So super yeah. excited about looking through those resources to see what they have. And coaches, if we have coaches listening to this podcast right now, go check out the Dove link in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap for this week. Let's just uh, finish up as usual with how people can find us. Yes, indeed. Well, look, 
where people can find us is expanding y'all we are getting <laughs> fancy when it comes to our yep. platforms thanks to dr ingerfield and her leadership in this area um but yes it's a wrap for this episode please make sure that you find us on youtube please know that you can find the transcription there as well of the podcast so youtube apple podcast spotify y'all if you're already on spotify so are we go find us there of course, Instagram, LinkedIn, we're there. Send us some questions, y'all. Info at unfazedpodcast.com. And of course, our website that houses everything related to the podcast, unfazedpodcast.com. Go there. Make sure you share with your friends, your colleagues, your loved ones, especially around these particular topics. Um, as you know, our first, what, Lisa, 100 and 100 plus episodes yep, uh, yep. Were, were wrapped around sport and endurance sport. We happen to go back to Old Faithful in this particular episode when it comes to sport. Um, but please share with your coaches, your friends, your loved ones, anyone that's in sport. And we will see y'all next week. See you next week.